Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes in the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. It's a me. It is a you. Uh, it is July 2nd, episode 121. Finally unified, and it feels so good. I wanted to sing this one, but I couldn't Finally scan it Finally unified, well. and it feels so good. There. Oh, there we go. I had to stretch the uh, the phrasing, but because it doesn't quite fit the, the the rhyme scheme. Yeah, it doesn't fit the meter. Yeah, it doesn't fit the... the uh, the yeah the verse it's weird but you gotta tweak anyways, it i got there <laughs> anyways we're gonna talk about the unified popper legality among other topics uh because that was the big announcement that came out of last week uh but before we do so let's turn our eyes quickly to eyes in the community we had a scg team modern event as well as a magic fest slash grand prix dallas fort worth uh yeah, it's, and- it's the grand prix at magic fest thank you <laughs> yes, that is that is technically correct. The best kind of correct. Yes. Um, and DFW, there was a Hogak arising because a lot of Hogak decks made uh, day two at a. Th- so it was a thirty three percent conversion rate of Hogak decks from day one to day two, and it was still over double the second place the decks that were second represented, which were like Is it Phoenix and I forgot what the other deck was. Um, but it, it was pretty gross. It was um, pretty ridiculous. I, I want to say, though, that I think, oh, 33%, that's not too terrible. Oh, no, that's a very, very high conversion rate for day two, considering the fact that over 40 decks made day two, which meant that there was over 100, according, and this is according to the stats that we got directly from Channel Fireball putting out on their Twitter, like the bar graph had over 40 Hogak decks in day two. Which means at least 120 people brought Hogak to the to the event and there was and over, then depending on there was about i think they said about 1200 people at the tournament so a good, so that's 10 percent. 10 percent of your format was literally this deck so yeah 33 percent conversion rate you odds on definitely had some cannibalistic effects amongst the hogak decks maybe knocking themselves down a peg or two by the way the other deck was humans yeah followed closely uh, by mono red prowess which is also like mono red phoenix so technically, mm-hmm. if you combine Is It Phoenix and Monored Prowess, the two Phoenix decks, you're like doubling those numbers, basically. And yeah, it was followed so by people, Burn- people are itching, yeah, itching for a ban. Yeah, it was Burn, Eldrazi Tron, and Blue Control next, tied, then Jund, then Collect Counters Company, and then Hardened Scales and Infect. So also Thopter yeah, Sword's around now, too, which is crazy, but... Thopter Sword a- uh, top-aided the, the GP alongside... Uh, two Hogak decks taking turns, um, blue white control, Eldrazi Tron, and what's the deck I'm missing? I'm missing like one or two other decks because it was two Hogak decks. One of, one of them that was in the two blue, of Tom two the Boss Ross. It was two blue whites. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Um, uh, I did miss. I did miss who won and with what deck. Uh, but I know it wasn't one of the Hogak decks. It's blue white control. There we go. I um, I don't have the guy's name pulled up right now, but. So people are itching for a Hogak ban. Um, Honestly, it's not Hogak. Well, the issue issue isn't Hogak per se. The issue is the combination of Hogak plus Carrion Feeder plus Altar of Dementia that created this engine. You're forgetting another culprit. Well, Faithless Looting is an entirely different conversation. I'm not talking about Faithless Looting. I'm talking about Bridge from Below. Bridge from Below helps enable it with all the zombies you're sacking. Listen, if you want to build a bridge from Rolo deck, I will I will allow you to because that card is hilarious. But Right. But it's it's also you gotta also talk if you're gonna mention some of the enablers, you gotta mention all the enablers. Yeah, so I think but I think everyone is looking at the big, the splashy card, this the eight eight that costs basically zero mana 
um, which to be is, which is Hogak. To be fair, though, Tom Ross was interviewed about it at one of the the GPs recently, and he was like, "Yeah, we just designed it as a commander card. We didn't expect it to actually be busted in modern." So everyone outside of R and D again got caught on a card. They're like, "Yeah, we just designed this as a commander. That's why it's legendary." Um, that said, Hogak, um, the graveyard is definitely a problem, especially with the, and the number of Phoenix decks we saw there. But there's also an SCG team open in Pittsburgh. Where it was 50% of the decks were either Hogak or Phoenix on their day two. Well, yeah. It I, was, think it was, I think it was like 30% Phoenix and then like 20% Hogak or something along those lines. To be fair, though, um, what's listed is Bridgevine in here because that's essentially what it is, just Bridgevine with Hogak. There's only four decks in the top eight of the, so of the teams. So eight times three, 24 decks. Out of the 24 deck pool, only three of them, one, two, four of them were Bridgevine. The, more of them were is it Phoenix, which shows that the graveyard is kind of a, it's either SCG, you know, meta skewed toward Phoenix in the end, or whatever you want to call it. The graveyard is a busted place to do busted stuff. So which is which has been known for since Odyssey block really that the graveyard is where stupid things happen. Well, um, the deck that I play in Pauper and I'll talk about that a little bit uses the graveyard as a second hand and a second library. So yeah, it's busted. It's straight my up. My modern deck of choice Storm does it with literal Yogmoth's will. Well, Pass and Flames, but you know what I mean. Pseudo. Anyway, speaking of PIF acronyms, um there was a Thing that came up over the weekend involving uh, the Play It Forward campaign where uh, they made a decision about intentional draws not counting for their highest prize. And the only thing that we're going to say about it is that if the people your program is designed to promote don't like the decision you made, maybe it's a good idea to reconsider. Yeah, and then it also got people digging a little further into their mission statement and there's been questions of whether or not uh, non-binary and trans men are really kind of you know welcomed and featured in the program as well and it's more kind of focused towards women or maybe trans women so it's that's a whole other bag of bananas and apples we don't want to even touch at this point um, neither let neither it settle down. however what i would like to mention on a good note is that uh jess stefan and also emma handy apparently are starting to maybe spool up i know jess tweeted about this spooling up their own program as well that they're looking to do so we might have multiple versions of this out there which to be fair is better than none that is true as long as you know and i trust jess and emma to definitely nail this one for that one so we'll see how it goes 100%. from there um if we see more updates on their front we'll let you know uh but for the meantime let's talk about the unification of popper Finally. because this was this is something that's basically been a long time coming and a lot of people have had capital O opinions on Popper unification, how it can't, it could never happen. It's not going to happen. Popper is a magic online only thing, blah, blah, blah. But last week after we had recorded the podcast, literally the day we put up the podcast, Blake mm-hmm. Rasmussen went on to their Twitch stream and talked all about how we're going to take Popper. We're going to combine them. We're going to take the peanut butter and the jelly and make it into the PB and J and we now have unified popper. I mean, to be fair, we were getting articles even as early as Jan, even as cl- close back as January this year from like MTG Goldfish. Like, we don't know what popper means because legality is all over the place. It's magic online rules, but other tournaments use magic online rules, but tweaked with in terms of, uh, namely, uh, the Rags to Riches tournament because it used the, the magic online ban list plus like one or two extra ones. Um, 
One of them actually is now a banned card. It wasn't banned technically before, but nobody ever used it. Um, yeah, with them being added, they unified. It unlocks like over 400 cards added to the format. So essentially almost two sets worth of cards are being added to Pauper, uh, mainly due to utilizing stuff that there's a lot of older sets that actually aren't on Magic Online. And older sets that were on Magic Online were only printed onto Magic Online via the uh, Masters Edition, which didn't print everything. It was kind of a weird like sixth edition or you know like core set edition kind of thing to the format just to get older cards into like Legacy and uh, Vintage online way back in the early days of magic online but also in paper we've had products printed at common that weren't common in their regular printing the main example that they gave of this was Forkbolt, uh originally printed in uh zendikar the og zendikar or no it was rise of eldrazi at uncommon it was reprinted in the dual deck zendikar versus eldrazi at common however it was not technically pauper legal because supplemental products like Dual decks weren't technically counted towards popper stuff and other weird corner cases. They just smoothed it out by saying everything's everything. If it had a common printing, it's in the format. Period. Yeah. With now, they three did, exceptions. Yeah, they did add three cards to the ban list. One makes perfect sense because if you if you're banning Grape Shot and Empty the Warrant, there's no way you can let High Tide exist. Uh, not that I think there's anything busted you could do with High Tide with only commons, but you never know. Uh, I think there was, but people just didn't really play it because it was convoluted. Anyway, High Tide, let's go to the cards. For people don't know High Tide, great in uh, Vintage Cube. It's a blue mana instant. And like it's blue mana instant. Until end of turn, all islands produce additional blue when tapped for mana. So, yeah, that's really powerful in the Storm deck. It's also getting duels. <laughs> it's also symmetrical, um, which yeah. a lot of people will forget. Which is hilarious with High Tide. Um, oh, yeah, they have yeah, one blue mana open. Oops, counterspell. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those cards that is it's just rife for abuse. And there, I don't think there's a ton of abuse cases for it with only commons. Like, if you, you can use snaps to generate mana, I guess, is the probably the big one. Yeah, and but, to be fair, Tron could even use it to abuse it to get more mana out of what we already do. Yeah. Especially with what I'll talk about in a little bit with how Tron has kind of evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so two other, card, two, two other cards were yeah, added because yeah. of, what was it they said? It was because of unfun and just... I poor. didn't listen to the stream, oh, but I, I can only assume it's because of unfun, because no one likes being the target of a Him to Turok or a Sinkhole. Yeah, so they, they were basically, so Him to Turok is the black-black sorcery. Uh, target player discards two cards at random for his or her hand. If the target, yeah, so basically... And the original printing said if target player does not have enough cards, the entire hand is discarded. It's just now target player discards two at random. And sinkhole is the black black sorcery. Destroy target land. Now, there are mono black control decks that are like, dang it, we wanted those two. And there's a reason why. Because it feels really bad to be on the draw and the opponent go swamp, turn one, pass a turn. You play your land. You say go. Opponent goes swamp, sinkhole your land past the turn and you're sitting with two drops and three drops in your hand you're like i'm screwed now because i had two lands in hand and a bunch of two drops and now i can't cast anything and you're just done can't play game of magic it's a alternatively too cheap on the draw they go swamp swamp him you and then you either discard your spells and now you're stuck with all lands or you discard your lands and you can't cast your spells is none of these cards are genuinely fun now I don't know how the Tron versus Mono Black matchup generally goes. It's a but I think that both of those cards would be very good for the Mono Black side. Okay, it, I'm not saying it's abysmal in that 
it's like horrendously tilted in one way or the other. It's just a grind. I played one mono black matchup at S at, at Dallas or not Dallas at DC as on the pauper side event. Mm-hmm. And the minute she played Swamp Go, I was like, oh god damn it! It was because it was either gonna be blue black Delver or mono black. And as soon as she played that second Swamp, I was like, man, it's it's just well, a, I mean, it's, a gr- well, it's a it, Tron's a well, I'm saying Tron's a grind fest anyway as it is. And going up against another deck that wants to grind, we went to turns. I knew we were gonna go to turns, so. But yeah, no, those two cards versus Tron would just absolutely F our game, play, our game plan. Yeah, like being able to have just sinkholes to deal with, you know, the Tron lands are great. That'd be fine. Now, like if they errated sinkhole, which they're not going to do to destroy target non-basic land, I could see it being allowed into the format, but not at just BB destroy your one land. Like There's just nothing you can do from that point now, on. Now, destroys so. any one land is specifically saying any land, and it's just... It's just too egregiously broken. Uh, to give a quick rundown of the rest of the cards that are that are banned in the format, this is have been banned before, still banned now. So we got Cloud of Fairies, which is abused in the Blink decks, and uh, with from, Peregrine Drake and as, an, as a, another well, offender in the Esper Familiar kind of decks. You have Cloud Post, which is just creates ridiculous amounts of mana. Um, uh, cranial plating, because you know artifact decks are already pretty darn good. You don't need cranial plating. Days. Uh, banned recently because it was egregious in the uh, Delver. Delver decks. Empty the Warrens because Storm is a thing. Frantic Search because Storm is a thing. Also, it's just great value to untap up to three lands for, again, the Esper Familiar deck. Gataxian Probe because Phyrexian Mana is straight busted. Grape Shot because Storm is a thing. Gush because Delver is a thing. Invigorate because Infect Stompy is a thing. And Freeze Man... <laughs> The thing you should actually take into account here is most of these things either are net mana positive or mana neutral or free. So far with basically everything we've mentioned, that should be a hint. If you can cast it for free, it's probably too good for Pauper. Peregrine Drake, because familiar isn't bouncing things as a thing. Plus also Tron was egregiously broken at the time Peregrine Drake was in play. Temporal Fissure, because Storm is a thing. Treasure Cruise, because, oh, Delve is a busted mechanic. High tide because storm is a thing, and other things, and then tend to rock and sinkhole. So yeah, storm, free mana, busted stuff. That's why they're banned. Because yeah, it's those... surprising how much of storm is just commons. Like oh, the card. The cards yeah. that aren't commons are the is brawl, gifts ungiven, past in flames, uh, manamorphos. I believe was originally printed at uncommon, so I don't know if it's popper legal. It's popper legal. Oh, so it was it, so manamorph is still popper legal. Good to know. Oh yeah, it's um, popper legal, my friend. <laughs> yeah, like the only thing, like the only things that my storm deck would need to take out would be the dual lands, Brawl, Pass in Flames, and Gifts Ungiven. It would be popper legal for the but most part. There's a well, reason. I guess I couldn't play Remands. The but reason I own a playset of Manamorphos is because it's played in the uh, Is It Kiln Fiend decks. Yeah. So it's busted. Anyways, <laughs> four hundred cards have been added to the format. We don't know. Where I don't it's think anyone be. has a clear idea of what this means yet. Now. Um, some big things that did get added are Tormod's Crypt, which is a free way to hate on graveyards, which means Tron might have to look to shift away from how we used to play, which is using our graveyard as a second hand and deck and library. Um, honestly, oh, one thing we didn't mention, Merchant Scroll. The Oh yeah, Merchant Scroll. The one, in the, the one in the blue uh, sorcery to add or search your deck for a, basically tutor up a incinerator. Just a blue instant. instant. A blue instant and put it in your hand. Yeah, it's kind of good. It's the best card in Homelands. Uh, yeah, by far. Um, 
there's a reason I snap purchased four of the promo merchant scrolls. Like the minute they said, Hey, it's legal. I'm like purchased done sold, uh, get my Tron deck because two mana to go search up mystical teachings. <laughs> I mean, that's a little cute scroll for teaching. I mean, Tron by its nature, is you're a literally toolbox tutoring deck. for a tutor. Dude, Tron's You're a tool- literally tooting for a tour. Tron is a toolbox deck. Yeah, I cannot k- tell you the amount of times that I go teachings for teachings. Well, when you have a million mana. Exactly. That's why I go teachings for teachings. And then I can just play my teaching guy out of the yard. Or I play. I go teaching for teachings. Then the next turn I have five mana. Play mnemonic wall. Get back to teachings. And then start going off. You know, the if teachings I had for- a million mana. If I had a million mana. I'd flicker all my things. Uh, but yeah, anyways. no, I would do it. Um, so the one thing that did kind of get shaken up recently is the addition of snow mana with Arkham's Astrolabe. Um, I actually saw like there's a White Tron deck playing like the basically it looked like the old Boros. Um, oh god, what the heck? Oh, Kodotha, Boros, Kodotha Boros, like the artifact Boros deck. Oh yeah, yeah but it's now like, just playing Tron lands instead. <laughs> it's like what it's playing mount it's playing snow mountains snow plains and tron lands to just generate an obscene amount of like mana and do all sorts of weird dumb artifact stuff it's ridiculous the format look there was like a three-week format that just tron has basically got rid of all of the the game lands and all they're doing is playing like eight snow-covered islands two snow-covered forests and one or two snow-covered plains uh then the 12 tron lands and then four uh, prophetic prisms, and then technically virtually copies five through eight in Arkham's Astrolabe to just fix your mana perfectly, and it's ridiculous, and it looked hilarious. So I think three deck three decks made the top eight at um, this past weekend's Pauper. Uh, they had the tournament, whatever it is on Magic Online, the invitational kind the of thing. Challenge, where you have to, or no more than challenge. It was when you had to actually get the points to buy into the tournament, the thirty six uh, popper points. Mm. Um, it's like the the popper championship or whatever it was. So they're like Tron, like there was two of the Flicker Tron and one of the White Tron, Mono White Tron decks. So there's a lot to do with Tron right now. Um, who knows what it's going to look like? I'm pretty sure Tron in some flavor is going to be a big player after we get the whole card infusion, but there's a lot of people who are really stoked to just experiment with the format. It's going to be a wild west and I'm stoked to see where it goes from here because it's also a sanctioned format now. Huzzah. Yeah, I buried the lead on that one to the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it being a, yeah, I, I know I said, Oh, all these new cards. Because oh, yeah. this also means, Oh yeah, by the way, you can have a popper GP. You can also have a popper F and M. You can also have, um, the side events at these GPs now get you Planeswalker points besides just the one damn participation point. I cannot tell you how many Planeswalker points I've missed out on at various GPs and other events just because, or especially like a Rags to Riches is now considered a sanctioned tournament, which is amazing. Hey, because Ian, before it was just a fun tournament to play in what? We could have a Popper MCQ or a Popper Mythic Championship. Pog champ. No, um, but seriously though, there, so there's weird speculation going on right now because we I actually didn't mention this beginning thing, but during during GP Dallas Fort Worth they actually unveiled the quarter four schedule, and as of right now there's like six standard GPs, two modern, one legacy. I think like four to six limited. It mm. might be six limited, six standard, 
two or three modern, one legacy, which is in Europe, and there's a TBD in December. Oh yeah, the TBD is probably popper. The TBD format is um, GP Portland in December. That is currently not yet. It's constructed TBD, so everyone's like, Dude, probably it's popper. popper. They just want to see how the first couple months of popper, you know sanctioned events it's either go. Gonna, it's either going to be popper or they're going to throw caution to the wind and just go screw it it's brawl um but... uh, it's oathbreaker thanks <laughs> no bc they did they haven't they haven't officially officially quote-unquote endorsed oathbreaker but that's an entirely different conversation regardless let's put it this way there's a constructed tournament at the end of the year that we don't know what's coming and they just sanctioned popper tinfoil hat brigade let's do this Popper GP. Sometimes I'm not one gonna, plus I'm one not does equal lie. two. I would halfway consider going to that damn GP if it was a Popper GP, even Is though there? it's right around Christmas time, and would be heinous for me to fly to the Pacific Northwest and then fly to New York for Christmas. Yeah, it'd be weird. That is fair. Eh, I'll figure it out. No biggie. Anyways, Fuck. that's going to move us on to kind of the next big topic because uh, Magic Arena just has put M20 up, and there's been a little server bit. issues, a little issues. But we're not going to talk in. about. To be fair, yeah, but we're not going to talk about the server issues during during the day. People were having issues logging in. I don't know how it's changed since then. They were still doing some maintenance on it. I logged in perfectly fine at about eight thirty p.m. Eastern time, right before we started recording, at around like nine o'clock Eastern time. Uh, I was able to log in. Oh yeah, so it was working for me. Whether it's working for you, I don't know. But anyway, we now have like a battle pass. Yeah. It's called the mastery system. Listen, if I wanted to play on a sphere grid, I would boot up FF10 again. Um, and I really don't want to do that. Yeah, so but... the MTG Arena mastery system, which is essentially a battle pass, um, there's a free track, thankfully. So you get, it's basically taking the place of the old 15 weekly win section, I think it was, from what it looked like. Uh, mm -hmm. it's contentious right now in terms of the reception amongst the community. Some people are like, seems okay. And other people are like, this is dumb. And other people are like, I don't know what's going on here. I need people who are more well-versed in this, you know, economy sphere stuff to tell us how it is. And we're going to get much better takes on this than you, you know, trust me, get better takes from other people than us specifically on this one. We're just telling you what I it's mean, going to I mean, I could, like. but I just haven't run the numbers. Oh, no, no. That's the thing. Like, this only kind of came out really in the last day or two. Um, and they only kind of solidified up what it's going to be doing even in the last day. Because they had to give a mea culpa. Hey, let's, uh, you know, clarify some stuff for you. Because, by the way, we might have forgotten to mention some things in our initial article. Because that's kind of standard wizards. Hey, John. Was that about communication you were talking about a while ago? They need to be better at it. Yeah, they're still not great. But they're better than they were, which isn't bad. Anyway, Mastery Arena. They need to be better. Um, so what is the Mastery system? Well, it is 100 levels that you unlock various items along the way. What items are those? Glad you asked. Internet listener who can't ask me the question, so I'm just assuming. Anywho. <laughs> um is this joke played out yeah no. no it's the children who are wrong yeah right um, how you do Phil? how you do fellow podcast listeners um <laughs> anyway uh so kind of the thing is is that 
let's start off with how you gain the levels and stuff like that. So each day a level is 100 or is 1000 experience and you're kind of locked into about 1000 experience a day, which is one level a day. Your first 500 or 700 gold quest, those are still the daily quests are still around. The first one will grant you 800 experience points. Your first daily win is 100 experience points. Your second and your third daily wins are worth 50 experience points each, where if you do the math, that's 1,000 experience, which is your level for the day. Uh, there are ways to get additional levels. You can purchase. So I didn't actually include this, but there is actually. So to get the free track, it's free. There's nothing to do about it. It goes all the way up to 100, but packs on the free thing stop after level 72. After level 72 on the free side, you get nothing else the rest of the way up to 100. Fine. That said, there is a way to get the paid one, which is 3,400 gems. Now, gems are the paid economy of Magic Arena, which will be $20. So back to the free track briefly, what do you get up to that level 72? Well, you get 36 boosters of M20 along the way at various levels. Like you'll get a booster at level 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, blah, 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 ad nauseum. Every two levels, you get a new pack. Every, like, so level 9, 19, 39, 49, 50, yeah, 59, there are five mastery orbs that you get. Now, what are mastery orbs? Cool. Yeah. There's this whole mastery tree that exists now where you can slot these gems into to get card styles. That's right. Those weird little kind of lenticular, you mouse your car, mouse over it, and it kind of shifts the card back and forth, full art-ish kind of style card. That's how you unlock certain ones. There's a Wooberg tree where you can buy a common and then it unlocks the com uncommon slot for that particular color. And then you can put an uncommon into it to get a rare. And then you can put it in to get another rare. And if you track into green and then blue, you can get the mythic, uh, is it the green, the Sultai mythic. Kethis. Yeah, you can get Kethis. Basically, whatever color combination of pairings on the, uh, the the allied pairs that are touching each other, you get that mythic that corresponds to that three-color pair. Because you, know, you can only do two of the three-color wedges. It's weird. Anywho, so you get five of those, but you're not going to be able to get those mythics because you need to track into, like, I think it's like four or five into one color or four or five into the other to unlock the other one and stuff there are going to be ways mm -hmm. probably to get more mastery orbs via events that are going on in magic online but if you're only doing the free system you're only going to get five so definitely look at the tree branch that is in the they have a new mastery system tab actually at the very top next to the store you go to that and then there is a mastery wheel or mastery tree you click on that slot your cards in there bingo you got it pay track bingo, bingo bongo pay track is like i mentioned 3400 gems $20. There's also one that's like 5,000 gems that gets you like the first 20 levels or something like that unlocked in an instant. Um, whether or not that's good value, there are people who are definitely going to crunch those numbers for us. We'll let you know how it goes eventually because that's something everybody should really know is like, hey, is it even worthwhile me purchasing this expanded EXP pack? Because if you look and mouse over the thing in the store, it says your value is up to $200 extra value because you pay 20 bucks into it and over the span of leveling up your mastery system, it's essentially $200 worth of value in gems, gold, packs. So what do you get? Paid mastery track. You get 20 packs. Five of Guilds of Ravnica, five of Ravnica Allegiance, 
five of War of the Spark, and five M20 packs sprinkled throughout the 100 levels. You get 2,000 gems sprinkled throughout the levels at 200 gem intervals that are at the nine or the x9 levels so like 11 uh 29 39 49 at that on the pay track that's where you would get the mastery orbs you also get that on the pay track as well you get 20 card styles so um each of the card styles there's like one to three per 10 level chunk so every 10 levels you can expect one to three card styles you can actually mouse over and scroll through all the levels and look at all the cards. It's mostly just commons and uncommons. I looked through it before to see if there's anything spicy. I think the one that's all the way up near the 80s and 90s, I think 90, level 92, gets you the uncommon Chandra. Mm. So everything else is just commons and uncommons after um, up to that point. And from there, we also get 25 mastery orbs instead of just the five. So you can actually unlock a couple of the card styles for the uh those uh mythic legendary creatures you get 10 mythic rare wild cards uh and that is the uh just the straight up the wild card or whatever it's a or individual card reward i think it is but it's not a wild card it's the card reward so you just get a random random mythic hey and then there's uh, some planeswalker cards from some of the planeswalker decks that i guess are spiced in there every so often uh at level 40 and level 80 you get elemental cat visual upgrades that little elemental cat friend that sits alongside of some of the arenas you get upgrades to its visual effects at levels 40 and 80 and then at level 100 you get the exquisite chandra card sleeve that is animated and has kind of the uh oh god expedition what are they called kaladesh invention that's it it's kind of invention style like filigree along the edge of it hmm. so the question i have here is it worth it john and i honestly don't know we haven't crunched the numbers on it people are kind of up in arms about it the fact that you're there are people who are a already crunching the numbers on it who will probably do a better job and do it fast and will solve it faster than we would if we started right now but honestly it's just is it up to, is it worth it to you is the best is the best question to ask because if it's going to increase your enjoyment then by all means no one's stopping you i personally so this is me there's also so they had to put in I mean, all right so before i give my opinion also i mentioned that watsy had to put it like a check-in article hey by the way we missed some stuff um the three points they had for that coming from the article by chris cow are oh by the way uh if you go to the store and type in the code level up that is l-e-v-e-l-u-p all one word you get two free levels which is a pack and some coins this is the pack mm-hmm. the experience points in a pack anyway uh late season play and purchase uh they have mastery xp through quests and reaching level 100 so late season late season play and purchase um they wanted to make sure that even if you bought it late in the season um it resets by the way after every new set that comes out so you technically have like 95 days between set sets usually so anywhere from 80 to 95 days that's the amount of time you have to hit level 100 you're like oh my god well if i'm locked into 100 a day with these quests or a thousand a day what how am i going to get there well mastery exp mastery experience points through quests so some of those little quests are gonna be how you're doing it but they're also going to be helping you reach level 100 by providing experience points through some of those cool like events that happen so 
where we got card styles for War of the Spark, you know, with the uh, stained glass cards, they're actually going to be having it. So, like, that gives additional experience points to help kind of bump you along. So, yeah, it's they said they're removing an option in terms of getting you additional cards via those packs per, you know, your wins or whatever. However, they're hoping to provide a great deal for your play. So they're going to get more experience points than originally planned. They're going to be tweaking it on the way. Again, the biggest thing to remember here, kids, is that Arena is still in beta. This is a beta product. They are still working on it. Yes, they've basically put all their chips in on a beta product. That is, you know, again, a discussion for another a day. Wildly, a wildly successful beta product, cool. but it is still in beta. Yeah, a beta nonetheless. I mean... You could say some World of Warcraft expansions had some pretty wildly ex- impressive betas, but at the same time, it's still a beta. Um, hopefully, this is engaging as they're like they're saying they want to make it fun and engaging for te- all players of all types. Whether that remains to be seen, we will see. So, um, honestly, I am gonna really kind of want to reserve my own personal judgment on this until I know uh, Ryan Spain who's uh, formerly of limited resources, formerly of wizards now goes under the, uh, does his own going optimal uh, streams and podcasting. I think it's just streams at least. I know it's just streams as far as I know. So just streams. Um, but he is all about figuring out the economy of arena. He had like a free to play and a pay to win or pay to play account. So he's, he's, he's done both tracks. Um, which is not bad. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Spain is who I'm going to be trusting whenever his his discourse on the mastery system comes out because there's a lot of people who are decrying it. There's a lot of people who are just kind of confused by it. Um, but eventually, hopefully, everything will get sussed out with it and we'll actually have some – be able to have some meaningful discourse at this, with everybody at the same level. Yeah, and that's another thing too is I think just – punching out a system like this and then kind of like saying here have at it It, you're kind of just like okay are we doing this actual thing it's kind of weird where like the onus has been put on the player to be like hey just figure out if this is worth it to you or not like yeah they kind of filled in a little tiny bit it's yeah it's kind of bad but we'll see yeah we'll we will see um but beyond that I think the only other stuff is that, that we didn't get to all the M20 cards that we wanted to. Um, so we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about a select few M20 cards because Core 20 is out now. And some of these cards have actually had impact in the arena streamer event that happened the other day. And now that Core 20 is on arena, there's a lot of be- more people experimenting with it uh, in the standard queues and whatnot. But the first card that I wanted to talk about was rotting Regisar because I don't think we got to talk to it, talk about it before. And if we did, good old rotting ca- Reggie. Who cares? Because rotting Regisar is two and a black zombie dinosaur at rare that says at the beginning of your upkeep, discard a card. Um, the issue with this card is that it's a seven six for three mana with a quote unquote downside. Some decks like the graveyard, so it's technically not a downside for those decks. <laughs> I'm just so confused. <laughs> This card is just busted. It's weird. It's it is it reads almost like a a pre modern design where you're like, okay, is there anything after it says discard a card? Nope. You mean I don't have to? Say, nope. It just discard a card. Yep. Yeah. So if you get your hand down to literal nothing, 
And this is on your upkeep, by the way. So you haven't drawn your card for the turn yet. If you have, if you're hellbent and no cards in hand, when the discard trigger hits, you don't have to do anything. It doesn't sacrifice itself. It doesn't hurt you at all. It just does nothing. So there's two decks that this card's going to go into. Uh, either very, very aggressive decks or decks that care about putting select cards in their graveyard. Um, like this is a card that's just a slam dunk in cube because black could always use an undercosted fatty and this one just helps reanimator strategies just by existing and being in play. Now, the removal in cube in older formats like Modern or even Legacy is way better than it is in something like Standard or even Limited, where a 3-mana 7-6 that you have to discard a card is not that big of a deal. But it'll be interesting to see if this card has, like, actual legs in Standard, because it's just so exciting. You just read it and you just go, that that's all? I don't have to sacrifice it or, like, lose life or anything like that? So, no? What's really fun about this, though, is that its toughness is 6 it dodges most yeah, forms of damage-based removal. <laughs> like, it's just like, how do I even... I don't even... You gotta chump it and then maybe lava coil that thing? I don't know. Put a 2-2 under the bus. It doesn't have trample, thankfully. Well, lava coil is a sorcery anyway, so that doesn't even save you. But, well, I'm you know, I, everyone knows what you're saying. Yeah. There's ways to it's, get rid of it. Well, I'm yeah. saying if you swing in with a 2-2 and your opponent mistakenly yeah. blocks it for some reason. Yeah. Uh the next card that I wanted to talk about also happens to be a dinosaur, but that's this isn't the dinosaur uh, podcast. That'll be a different one. Um, this don't is get shift on the floor. Everybody podcast yeah. dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Uh, this is shifting ceratops. It is two green green for a five four creature dinosaur at rare. Uh, it can't be countered. It has protection from blue, and it has green colon shifting ceratops gains your choice of reach trample. Or haste until end of turn. And the, AKA, this is the Teferi Killer in all ways, shapes, and forms. And the best thing about this is that you can do multiple instances of those if you want. Yeah. Now, granted, you probably aren't going to be doing Reach and Trample at the same time, but Trample and Haste, maybe. Um, it's just so flexible, and it kills either Teferi when they tick up, and neither Teferi can get rid of this creature. Now, obviously, there are very powerful ways in blue-white to get rid of it, like Seal Away or Prison Realm, if that's still seeing play, uh, because it doesn't have pro-white, just has pro-blue. But this is definitely going to be a card that is going to be very annoying for uh, control players to deal with, and it's just it's just really good. I honestly swear I hate the phrase, this spell can't be countered. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if... I think this is just a little too powerful. I'm going to go weirdly on a tangent here for Lindsay to play this in her red-green aggro deck, because four mana is a little much. But the fact that it like just literally is like, I'm going to be guaranteed a 5-4. Deal with this. Like you, like They have to spend a removal on it. Like can't, They can't just sit with a counterspell up. Like, so, so if we're going to rant about it can't be countered, um, I think that can't be countered is much like uh, Hexproof and Protection needs to be used in very specific circumstances. And this this spell can't be countered is never a flavor thing that they add to cards like if i see colossal dreadmaw and i see it's a six 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 with trample that makes sense it's big it's a dinosaur it has trample totally on board makes total sense can't be countered is is a purely game mechanical thing that something is happening in the competitive metagame that there needs to be this card on it my favorite card with this spell can't be countered on it is sphinx of the final word if you don't remember what sphinx of the final word is 
It's five blue blue for, I believe, a five five flying Sphinx. It's a mythic from Oath of the Gatewatch. Yep. Sphinx can't be countered. And then it also has the line text that says your instant and sorcery spells can't be countered either, uh, which made it just – and it, it just made it the hardest thing to kill. Is like the best control finisher that never saw play. It saw <laughs> cyborg play in the decks that we both played at the time, which was yes. the uh, – The Grixis Tower deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I missed Dynamo Tower. it was I – w- I remember playing against one of my friends, and I landed it, and he was also playing like a blue-white control deck or an Esper control deck or whatever, and he's like, I'm I'm going to die to that thing. And I'm like, yes, you are. Yeah, you're, you're dead to this card. <laughs> All your counter spells are useless now. You're dead to and, this card. Yeah, it was just – it has to be used in very specific circumstances. So either it has to be on some of those big control finishers like Sphinx of the Final Word, Pearl Lake Ancient or the like, or it's got to be used on aggro cards – to ensure that the game is going to end because control decks naturally want the game to go long. And if I, if you just counter all my things, that doesn't help me much. But if I have specific sideboard cards like Shifting Ceratops or say Exquisite Firecraft from Magic Origins, which is one red, red sorcery, deal four damage. But if I have, or to deal four to any target, but if I have two or more instances of sorcery in my graveyard, it can't be countered and the damage can't be prevented. And, you know, those are very specific things like you can't just put this on like a random two mana two two yeah. and burn just doesn't do yeah, anything burn like that see like that card sees playing legacy burn just because it was there to get around countertop back in the day it's like hey countertop chalice the void get effed you can't counter the spell like it just literally cannot yeah. be countered it's a four damage spell that's going to hit your face regardless yeah and so like this spell can't be countered is it is a necessity to be in the game because other things like you know niv miss parent i called in our in when we were talking about the card that it was going to see standard play now it saw more play than i thought it would and it definitely was more main deckable than i thought it was i love that but card. at the same time guild standard was great like at the same, yeah but at the same time like it's very powerful and it's really hard to deal with now you basically so shifting in this in that deck and is it phoenix and is it uh Drake, more the Drake it, yeah, style is it Phoenix, deck, less is it, the Phoenix yeah, well, style. Phoenix play out of the board sometimes, but is it Phoenix? Is it Drake's deck? Um, would basically be like, I'm not going to play this. They would sit, they would leave it sitting in hand until you had like eight mana, even though it only cost six. Why? Because you wanted to hold up, dive down, and spell pierce. Yeah, you needed two ways to protect it, at least to get it to the next turn. Usually, if you if you untapped with Niv Mizzet, you I cannot tell you how many games that I played where I untapped with Niv Mizzet. And then won that turn. My opponent had like four creatures on the board. They had a board stall basically out. And I untap with Nim Mizzet and just would be like, all right, I have a shock here that's actually a lightning bolt. And then I have a lava coil that's going to take care of that five mana wild growth or five power wild growth walker. And then, oops, I just did this other thing. And, you know, I spell pierced my own spell, paid for it. So that does another damage to this one. And then I you draw a card. And it was just so ridiculous where I just wipe their board, start pointing two or three more spells pings at their head and then go and swing lethal it was yeah insane and that card and and that shifts into a different conversation that we could also have about control finishers ending the game quickly as opposed to taking forever to win the game yeah. but that's a, a different conversation which is not um, bad i mean i'm glad we had that stuff but yeah shifting teratops yeah. is a weird card it's a limited bomb i think honestly it, it's definitely a limited bomb there's just gonna be times where your opponent's gonna your opponent is probably gonna be playing blue and they just can't block this creature uh, and then just being able to give it trample is huge. And then reach, I think, is going to be most relevant in limited, not so much in standard. But we'll see. Wait, flyers, baby. Yeah, here's my five four dinosaur that jumps out of the river and eats your bird. 
got him. So we're gonna talk about next. Uh, the next cards we're gonna talk oh, about are two? cards that I saw people yeah talking about. Um, well, one person I saw talking about it was uh, Pixie Kitten Plays. She's a YouTuber. She was streaming the preview event on YouTube, and she was talking about uh, this card, which is uh, Tectonic Rift, and saying it was a, it's a bad card. And spoiler alert, it's not the best card. It's four, three and a red for a common sorcery, destroy target land, creatures without flying can't block this turn. This is a reprint from Dominaria, and here's the thing about Tectonic Rift. Actually, it's from uh, Core 2019, which was and M12. Oh, Core 2019. Never mind. M12 I thought it was from... Nope. M12 and Core 2019. I thought it was in Dominaria. I'm thinking of a different card, a diff- but regardless. There's a different one that did similar effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, this effect will kill people. Like, people... Oh, that's right. It's like seismic shift or something, yeah. and it's two creatures can't block, not all creatures can't block. Yep. Anyways, I just remembered. Like, this card... This this card will... Is bad. You shouldn't bane deck it. But if you do, you better plan on ending the game very, very quickly, because that's what this card does. This is the worst It's car- less good. This is the worst card you're going to lose to. Yeah, there's there's a similar conversation that happened about a card in Dragons of Tarkir. Uh, it's one in a red sorcery. Creatures can't block this turn, and people are like, "It's a bad card, but it's got an eighty percent weight win rate on Magic Online." The- and that's because when you cast this card, you win the game. You can't you win the turn you cast it. That's what this card does. And on a similar tangent, there's another card which is which is a reprint, which I don't remember when this first card came out. It was something probably a while was ago. It Crashing Boulders or something like that. Uh no, that you're thinking of Crash of Boulders is the one with Ferocious. Oh. This is one though from Dragons, which is just one in a red sorcery creatures can't block. Oh, falter effects are weird though. Yeah. Um the other card that's like Tectonic Rift is Inspired Charge, which is two white white for a common sorcery in M20. Uh been reprinted before. Creatures you control get plus two plus one until end of turn. People are just gonna die to this card. It's either gonna be a plague wind, because your your creatures will survive and your opponent's board will all die. Or your opponent will just die. These types of cards are cards that I like and I play a considerable amount more than most people because one I one of my strengths I think as a Magic player is being able to con- contrive board states where these type of effects are really good. Yeah. And if if you ever see me play against me in paper and you do the all out attack and you're playing either of those colors, I will I will actively go speak out loud about okay, am I dead to this card because this is the card that will end games same with it and and tectonic rift than most other combat tricks yeah where it's like okay everything just got bigger Uh oh yeah and then speaking of combat tricks infuriate red instant target creature gets plus three plus two it's so close to giant growth just just give us red giant growth it'll be fine nothing bad will happen this the small the smaller but <laughs> yeah and then uh one of my favorite combat tricks is feral invocation which is originally from theros Two and a green for an enchantment aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two. But Feral Invocation has flash. Oh. Yeah, it's the blowouts. The blowouts you could do with this card. Yeah, and it's a common, so expect to see it a bunch. Yeah, this card is just Ugh. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned pre-releases ugh. this weekend, by the way. So like expect yeah. to see it at pre-release, because people are gonna be playing oh, yeah. green and like honestly, if you're if you're playing if I will green be playing pre-release, but if I am and I'm playing green, you better believe I'm playing every copy of Feral Invocation I oh, can yeah. find. If you have like two or three copies of this in your in your uh, pool, play it. Play all three copies. Yeah. Um, curve, curve be damned. Play all three copies of this. Yeah. It messes with uh, combat another, math. So another card that I definitely wanted to get to before we kind of kind of start jumping around a little bit more is uh, Scuttlemutt, <laughs> which. If you don't know who Scu- what Scuttlemutt is, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I only know about it because I play Hirobi and Commander sometimes. 
Um, it's from Shadowmoor originally. Is, yeah, from Shadowmoor originally as common. It's an uncommon here. It's a three mana, two, two artifact creature, Scarecrow. It has tap, add one mana of any color. Great. It's a, it's a manolith that can attack and block. That is fantastic. I'm all for it. It also has this other ability. Tap, target creature becomes the color or colors of your choice until end of turn. Uh, Wizards does not put a card like this in standard without good reason. Protection. And I don't think it's here to play hell with protection. What do you think it's here for? I don't know. That's what's bugging Theros, me. We're going back to Theros. That doesn't mean, but it doesn't do anything with devotion. <laughs> it doesn't do anything with devotion. It's just like, it doesn't change the mana cost. It doesn't change anything. Who knows? We might, I, we might be getting a tweak mechanic for it. I don't know. It, It's, I don't know. I see color-wise these days and I'm like, it's Theros. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this here just to be a three mana 2 2 that's a manolith? Then why not just print another three mana 2 2 that's a manolith? Not reprint this. I'm so confused. I don't know. It's It seems fine to me. I mean, who knows? This might I be. I mean, no, it's a fine card. Busted. It's not going to bust anything. But, like, that last ability does not exist in this format without reason. Like, in, in, in Shadowmore, that was like a huge thing of being able to change a creature's color so that their, their other spells and other abilities don't matter as much. And it's just like. I don't understand. Dude, sometimes you get these weird like reprints that just show up in a set and you're like, all right, cool. It's here. Wizards, you did this on, on purpose and I'm going to find out why. Messing with your head. Got him. Um, do you Basically. Want, do you want to talk about the other Planeswalker we haven't talked about yet? Yes, please. I feel like Ian, we need tell to. us about the return of Vivian. So we got a new Vivian. Vivian, Arcbow Ranger. One, green, green, green. So that's triple green for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker vivian at mythic plus one distribute two plus one plus one counters among up to two target creatures they gain trample until end of turn so you can basically put two on one or one and one however you want to do it you've got two counters distribute amongst two one to two creatures minus three target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker so vivian lets your creature punch uh, and five and minus five, you may choose a creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Her minus five is a wish ability, which is also kind of cool considering if you think about it with her arc bow, which has like creature cards that are creatures that don't exist anymore that she stored in the bow and she shoots it. And yeah, it's very flavorful. It is. The last ability we saw like this comes from Karn the Great Creator. Now, granted, Karn can just play tick down and wish but this is a very powerful effect and you know i was imagining this in modern which maybe not necessarily be great in modern but imagine playing against the aggressive decks and getting your thrag tusk sweet swag get or in playing there. against a, or playing against a control deck and getting your thrag tusk um <laughs> that may be a bad example <laughs> but you, you see where i'm going <laughs> like just being able to get whatever silver bullet creature you want like in uh, standard being able to play this and then it gets control decks and getting your shifting ceratops out of the sideboard. Yeah, that's, gonna, that's pretty that's good. That's where I was going to go. Get your get your ceratops out on the board. Um, or on the hand, I should say, because I need to untap and play it. But hey, out it's, of the board into the hand, then you play. You know what but I mean? It's, but no, but I'm saying it's four mana, so you can still pay it. Because Arcbow yeah. Ranger, you pay her. She's got the two already green pips. She's got to have a third. But yeah, no mm -hmm. mana base is also going to be stonkingly good. Yeah, or just play mono green. Yeah, I mean that's true. But we also still, but we still have shock lands and buddy lands for a time, so the man is still going to be pretty, pretty all right. Yeah. So we like they had that preview the other day, and apparently scapeshift is a thing. So 
there's enough to place Jun Scapeshift, basically. That's actually a Love pretty it. decent deck. Um, let's talk about another card real quickly here that um, has powered another archetype that a lot of people were liking as some of the initial, like, you know, we'll call them Day Zero decks uh, of the format. Uh, Elementals, apparently. Massive. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Printing a, a bunch of Elementals in the set, including Omnath. And this other one, Risen Reef, the one green and a blue, one one creature elemental at myth or at uncommon. Uh, it says whenever Risen Reef or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield tapped. If you don't put the card and onto the battlefield, put it into your hand. So you're getting. Well, yes, I would like all of my elementals to be coiling oracles. Yeah, you're getting a card regardless. It's going to the battlefield or to your hand. I mean, it would sure be great if you could. I don't know put a card on the battlefield and oops look at that i'm at five mana next turn on turn four and then all of a sudden and i'm at another card mana, yeah and you're just going another card is, another card that's like this um is um thunderkin awakener one in the red for a one two uh that when it attacks you return an elemental card with toughness less than it from the graveyard to the battlefield so you play thunderkin awakener attack with it bring back your risen reef the risen reef will trigger and do the thing it's just so many things that you could do, huh. Huh. and then I was just thinking about this deck earlier because if if you have a, if you go Risen Reef on turn three and then on turn four you go Risen Reef, you have two of those triggers, and it's just oh no, ah. <laughs> it's great. Oh my! And then of course there's Omnath who we mentioned last week, um, but as a reminder, he's um, one green, blue, red for a three-three legendary creature elemental at Mythic. When he enters the battlefield, you'll deal damage to any target equal to the number of elementals you control, and then whenever a land comes into play. Under your control, you put a plus plus counter on one of your elementals that you control, and if you control eight or more lands, draw a card. Hey, that, that pairs like, pretty decently with that Risen Reef ability of putting a land in the battlefield tapped. Yeah, so like turn three Risen Reef, oh no, I put a land into play. Next turn, play Omnath, deal at least two damage to something. Oh, by the way, Risen Reef will trigger putting a land into play, but put a plus plus counter on something like Risen Reef or whatever, and just keep going to town. Just make Omnath it's, uh, bigger. And then you also get your land for turn, which puts you up to six mana, and then you get another Omnath. It's just it's just hilarious. I just love how it all ca- how it all cascades. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting as a day zero deck. We'll see how it shakes out for the rest of the format. But let's talk about this other guy because honestly, I saw this guy and now I want the full cycle of the Elf Advisors. <laughs> so we have uh, Leo, we have uh, Edric, and now we have Kethis, the Hidden Hand. And what does Kethis do? So Kethis is your Obzon Elf Advisor. So that's a white, black, and a green three mana uh, legendary creature Elf Advisor. He's a three four. He's a mythic. He says legendary creature, legendary legendary spells, not creature spells. Legendary spells you cast cost one less to cast. You can also exile two legendary cards from your graveyard until end of turn. Each legendary card in your graveyard gains. You may play this card from your graveyard. Uh, so Obzon Legendaries, have at it, kids. So there's a there's a Discord server that I'm in of Magic players, and one of uh, the users is very well known for playing a deck that he calls Four Color Raff. Oh, buddy! And he put Kethis in there, and he did a turn four Urza's Ruinous Blast, and he put a comment is like, why, "Why do you empty your hand against Kethis into an obvious Urza's Ruinous Blast?" And I just had to be like, "Hold on, obvious Urza's Ruinous Blast, <laughs> right?" <laughs> What? Nobody <laughs> expects the Spanish versus Inquisition. What? Yeah, like 
Get out of here. It's just a dumb deck that he's got. It's like he's got it's got Shalai's and it's got like Lyra's and other things. It's just like, come on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. There's It's hilarious though. Yeah. Oh my god. So let's just touch on like one or two more little things. Um Sure. Elvish Reclaimer, the green one two, uh gets gets plus two plus two as long as there are three more land cards in your graveyard. You can do a two and a tap, sack a land, search your library for a land card, put for any land card, not just basic. Put on the battlefield tap, shelf your library. So a cheaper, but it's a standard crop crop rotation on a stick. Well, I was also thinking uh, Knight of the Reliquary, but it doesn't that grow too. nearly as big. Well, yeah. it's kind of a weakened, power down version of Knight of the Reliquary, but still pretty decent. Um, also, I don't know what this will see play in a lot, but it's very exciting. It like it could be a it could be a one mana three four, and there's just a lot that it can do. It's really interesting and if there's enough value lands in the upcoming sets for in standard that this is going to be pretty pretty spicy in we'll we'll see remember that john scapelift scapeshift deck i was telling you about well obviously it plays elvish reclaim oh, yeah uh, john i have another question for you though <laughs> yeah what would you do with a spectral sailor early in the morning um there's a reference being made here, but I'm Oh, there's a song. What would right you do now. with a drunken sailor? What would you do with a drunken oh, sailor? Oh, right. Yeah. So Spectral Sailor is a one man. It's a blue one one with flash flying. It's a spirit pirate. A. I mean, R. It also has a three and a blue draw card. Um, One of the better quote unquote flying men that has ever existed, which is a one one for one with flying. Uh, mm. Not one of the best ones because uh, it's a storm chaser siren yeah that one's pretty storm good chaser siren is one of the best one because it can counter spells but this is actually pretty good for late game value for a cheap deck especially if they start flooding out um i also would not be surprised if this saw play in standard in control decks because if i have five mana and it's your turn i go into turn spectral sailor and then if you let it resolve, I get to draw a card, and if you and if you counter it, then you counter a useless one flying man. Like, or you waste a, a burn spell on it. It's also probably going to be pretty good in um, the mono blue deck for the next three months before it rotates. But well, we'll see if mono blue, uh, the mono blue tempo deck, makes a resurgence. I mean, I, again, I played against it at the MCQ, so it's not dead dead. It's just not as favorable right now. Yeah, but there's still a whole bunch of other cards we could talk about here too. Um, yeah. Like Safara Sky's Blade, the four white, 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 seven, seven flying lifelink angel that can actually be paid. You can pay white and then tap four untapped creatures for like a weird pseudo convoke. Um, that it's, yeah, so you get to pay it for cheaper. Um, just as long as you untap creatures and it says other creatures you control flying have indestructible. It is the limited bomb for the blue white uh, skies deck. Uh, we've, it's also just a seven, seven flying lifelink. Like, who cares about the alternate cost? Just. Get the seven mana, slam this, they go, and then have your opponent pray they have an answer. Yeah, get him. Uh, there's a demon, Villas Bl- Broker of Blood, five, triple black for an eight, eight. So it's an eight, eight for eight with flying. That passes French vanilla test, but it also has black, pay two life. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. And whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. So you're technically doing black, pay two life. Target creature gets minus one, minus one, and you draw two life. Or you draw two cards. Right, it's two cards. It's not a may, by the way. Yeah, no, it's and each and it counts the two life, right? Yes. So if you have the mana, if you have nine mana, you go villas, pay black, pay two life, give a creature minus one minus one. You also draw two cards. Yeah, and it also has a reminder: damage causes loss of life. So it's that weird. So if you get hit for like ten damage, you better hope you have ten cards in your library. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that too. Ooh, 
Yeah. No, this is definitely like of all of the demons that has, you know, the contract with the demon style of play to it, this one has it. It also causes you to draw double cards off of um Necropotence. Um it also causes you to like it this card could cause a lot of silly, silly things happen. Yeah. Um also if your opponent has a um what's the card I'm thinking of? When every opponent draws a card, they take a damage, like a rack effect. No, not rack. Um, there's a black enchantment creature from Born of the Gods, Fate Unraveler. Whenever your opponent draws a card, they lose a life. Uh-huh. Villas plus that means you lose. Because uh-huh. <laughs> you draw a card, you lose a life. Then you have, then you draw a card, then you lose a life. Then you draw a card, then you lose a life. You literally just, what do you have more of, life or cards? <laughs> Probably, I don't know, honestly. It depends. You probably have less life than cards. Um, it's it's hilarious as all. It's just it's great. Yeah, there's there's it's great. It's core twenty twenty looks like it's gonna be fun. Um, seriously, if you can get out this weekend, do it. I know I have a long holiday weekend because uh, so you're gonna be getting this on the third of July on Wednesday, and July fourth is America's birthday. Happy birth, America. Um, happy birth. Yeah. So I get a long weekend. I get the off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So my plans will be going to maybe one, possibly two uh, pre-releases. I'm going to watch the new Spider-Man movie. And I'm also going to take care of wedding stuff because, oh my God, I'm about 30 days away. Uh, um, uh. Oh, hey, brief aside, I want to tack on here at the very end. Um, we talked about Pauper being legal on Magic Online with the new set kind of supposed, supposedly going online today. Uh, they've had issues with it. Uh, they have since fixed an issue with some Pauper cards. I say some that were correctly incorrectly illegal. Uh, there were some limited edition, I'm um, assuming that would be like weird special set commons that are now correctly legal that weren't being properly picked up. However, Fork Bolt is currently illegal right now. There is a different issue which says it will be resolved later this year. So unfortunately, until that gets fixed, there will yet again be a schism between paper and online play. You can play Fork Bolt in paper, but it's technically illegal due to a bug online. Mm. Welp. Anyway, just be aware of that when uh, building your pauper decks on Magic Online, and also if you're building them for paper, because you might have a deck that would want to play Fork Bolt, but you can't check deck list results for online events because there's no Fork Bolt online. Yay! Um, anyway, that should be enough for that. John, yeah. where can the good people at home find you? Oh, we're going to reverse No, I'm kidding. That, yeah, right? just threw you a curveball, didn't I? No, I'm kidding. You got anything else you want to talk about tonight? No, I think we're good for now. Um, pretty slow otherwise, aside from the, you know, the mastery system news as well as the popper unification. in that lull. Pretty slow. Yeah, we're in that lull right before pre-releases. One thing to note, for this set, pre-releases can start at 3 p.m. local time at your local game store on Friday, no less. Oh. So get ready for your FNM pre-release for M20 oh. and go have fun. BT dubs, another thing to mention. The uh, the London Mulligan is now a thing, starting with this pre-release. Ah, yes, it is the official law of the land. Yes. Um, now, I believe it is only for the pre-release. I don't think it officially goes into play for other formats, technically, until next week when Core 2020 officially releases. It's just pre-release falls under Core 2020, so it gets the London Mulligan rules, but not other formats. Technically, well, to be fair, LGSs were empowered to if they're running an event at regular REL that they could use the London Mulligan. Well, that's true. So it is it's on a store by store basis until Core 2020 comes out officially next yeah. week. But so that's it for now. Regardless, so you're probably Ian, that, you, but yeah, I'm I'm laughing. You're saying slow week. 
Popper became a sanction. We had a new sanction format. It was a slow week. I mean, <laughs> it didn't take the entire episode. You know what I, I know mean. what you mean. Anyways, and if people want to find you on social media, where can they do you so? You can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That is D-I-X-O-N-I-J on Twitter.com. Uh, you guys can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. That is D-I-X, short and simple, straight to the point. John, where can the good folks yeah. at home find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me floating around a chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at eyesonthemise, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesonthemise at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we could best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.